You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George, and I want to welcome you to the Faith Roots Podcast. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we do 20 of these each month. And uh, this is the fourth one. We'll have 16 more after today. Uh, most months uh, we go and uh, occupy every single week. Sometimes we have to skip a week uh, between the months because there's that extra week in there. But we do 20 of these every month. So I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, number one, and also hope that you'll give us a little thumbs up. That'll help uh, do something with an al- algorithm. I don't even know what an algorithm uh, is. Sounds to me like algebra or something like that, and I didn't do very good in that. But the point is, give me the thumbs up and it'll help. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In order to understand the nature of the fight of faith, we have to understand what it means to lay hold on eternal life. And I want to make this very clear. Fighting the good fight of faith is not fighting and defeating the devil. The devil has already been defeated by Jesus Christ. But the devil is still operating, operating without power. So he thrives on ignorance. And he uses the ignorance of God's people to put them back into bondage unnecessarily. That's why Hosea 4.6 declares, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so it's important that we become fully aware of everything that belongs to us in this covenant that we have with God. Now, when the Scripture says that we fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life, it does not mean that we have to fight to be saved. Some people are very legalistic, and they have a works-based salvation, and that's the way they think about their salvation. They are working to earn it. That's not so. It is a free gift of God. Read Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. However, since salvation does come by faith, you will have to take advantage of it to receive everything in it that belongs to you by the process of faith, which does include a fight. Our salvation is not going to be completed until we receive our resurrected bodies. You may have a granny who died and went to heaven, and that's a wonderful thing, but her salvation is not complete. Her salvation will only be complete when her physical body is raised from the dead. Now, that doesn't mean she's in pain and suffering right now, uh, but she's in heaven in spirit and in soul, but not by her body. But the day is coming when she's going to receive a resurrected body. Then and only then will her salvation be complete. That's the completed process. And by the way, she is not struggling in heaven, believing for her bodily resurrection. She knows it's going to happen because uh, God has kept his word in every other thing he has said to her, and he is going to keep that word. So you can have salvation but not yet enjoy your salvation. So the scripture says that we are to lay hold 
on eternal life. Eternal life is the greatest element of salvation. So if we were to lay hold on that, that means that we fully embrace everything that that life enables us to have. And uh, let me read to you what uh, the Greek word means here, lay hold. It means to take hold of with a special purpose, practically appropriating all the benefits, privileges, and responsibilities involved in the possession of eternal life. So there are a lot of people who have embraced Christ, but the only thing that they think they have is forgiveness of sins. And I hear this all the time. I'm still a sinner, just saved by grace. No, you're not. Uh, one of these days you're going to get to heaven and you're going to realize, I was not just a sinner saved by grace. God forgave me, that's true. But he put his life and his spirit in me. Listen to what the scripture says in the New Testament. But if the spirit of him who raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he shall also quicken your mortal bodies by that spirit. Listen, he's going to raise you from the dead. The power to do that's already in you because you've been born again. This is not a power that you're going to get. It is already in you, and it's only waiting for a signal. And when the signal is given, then that power will be activated and you'll be bodily resurrected. God does not have to send power to you to raise your body from the dead. He is only waiting for the time to trigger what's already in you. That's what the New Testament teaches. So we have this amazing power. For this reason, I want to turn you to the book of Psalms, which addresses this idea. This is David writing in Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Listen to this, verse 2 says, And forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness, tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment or justice for all who are oppressed. Listen to me. Those are all the benefits that belong to us in Christ Jesus, but a lot of people don't know about them. And because they don't know about them, they never appropriate them, they never ask for them, they never look to God for them, and therefore they do not receive them. Now, if these things were manifested automatically with no efforts on our part, David would not have to write, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Because if the benefits were immediately applied to you, you wouldn't forget them. But you are prone to forget them because we don't always appropriate them. And so this is why it's so important not to be ignorant of everything that belongs to you in the covenant. We have been called into a covenant with God. It started when his relationship with Abraham was begun, and you and I have been called into that covenant because we received Jesus Christ. Now here's a great story I want to read to you from the Gospel of Luke, 13th chapter, and I'm going to begin reading in the 10th verse. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. That's a demon. There was a demon spirit that caused her body to be weak. Eighteen years she was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him 
and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now listen to the response of the religious people. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. That's amazing to me. Uh, that people could be that hard-hearted, but they're hard-hearted for purpose. They are opposed to Jesus because they're afraid of losing their own positions of power. So the Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. That's amazing to me. Now, two things here I want you to see. All redemption has two sides. There is the legal side. Legally, the woman was not supposed to be bound by this spirit of infirmity, but she was. Vitally, she was bound. The reason she was bound is because she did not know her privileges. She did not know the covenant. No one had taught her the covenant. If it had been taught, it would have come from the mouth of the ruler of the synagogue. He would have known about this teaching. He would have said, woman, I am so glad to see this. I've been talking about this all these years, and now here comes Jesus, and he enforces this that belongs to you, and I'm rejoicing. He didn't have that kind of thinking at all. He was upset that she received what belonged to her. And there are people who are that way today. There are people in the body of Christ who are absolutely opposed to the things that I'm teaching you right now. They resent the fact that someone like me would come and tell you about the blessings that God has for you. Basically, they would want you to think that you have only uh, the forgiveness of sins, and that's just about it, and someday you'll go to heaven when you die. Uh, that's all they want you to know. And they do not want you to fully enjoy your salvation. They, they say that uh, when we preach things that are benefits to you, that it's a health, wealth gospel. But let me tell you something. It is a gospel of health. It is a gospel of provision. I didn't say that God was going to make every single believer a millionaire. I didn't say that. And nor does the Scripture teach that. But God does want to meet your needs. God does want to bless you. He does want to take you out of financial bondage. God wants you to be blessed with the blessing of Abraham. And you can read in the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy what that blessing is. It's yours to enjoy. So you need to find out about it. Now, Christ attributed the woman's recovery to Abraham's covenant. So legally, she was redeemed. Vitally, Jesus had to come and enforce it. And that's really what the fight of faith is all about. When we fight the fight of faith, we are vitally enforcing what is legally ours. 
because you can't go take anything that is not legally yours. God may call you to ministry, but that doesn't mean that He legally has declared that you're going to pastor the biggest church that ever existed in North America. Uh, doesn't mean that at all. Uh, some people do have a gift to do something great like that, but but not all of us have that. So you can only go after vitally what is legally yours, what is legally spoken. And so that's the nature of this covenant. Now, you're going to receive opposition from religious people, but it doesn't mean you have to give place to it. You know, we better get used to this because when you are truly blessed of God, whether you like it or not, some people are going to protest. Some people are going to criticize you. And more often than not, your criticism will come from the religious crowd. When I first began to pastor Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I got more criticism from other churches than I did from bar owners, drug addicts, sinners. I got way more criticism from the churches than I did anybody else. And I learned, you know what? For whatever reason, sometimes people listen to their insecurities. They listen to the devil. Peter listened to the devil. He wasn't unsaved. Sometimes people do the wrong things. That doesn't mean they're not saved. It just means they came under the wrong influence. So you and I have a responsibility to read the Word. Don't be ignorant of what belongs to you. Lay claim vitally to what belongs to you legally. And when you begin that, you have begun the process of faith. we got a long way to go with this. I'm not nearly done, but we'll get into it more tomorrow. I'll see you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.